0: Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 30, and we're recording on July 13th, Friday the 13th, as a matter of fact. I'm Sharifah Williams, and today, filling in for Jen, we have special guest Nikki Vanry, book Riot contributor, and fellow science fiction and fantasy nerd. And today, we're going to be talking about science fiction and fantasy audiobooks. So, welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Do you <laughs> want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your love for science fiction and fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm a book Riot contributor, and I have been for a couple years now. Um, love science fiction and fantasy and audiobooks are a special love of mine because it's just like a great way for me to actually really get into a book. So Mm -hmm. I love sharing information about them and really excited to be here. So
0: yay, I'm so glad Jen and I um, started out this, this show talking about like our nerd origin stories. And I feel like there are (laughs) a lot of us nerds at Book Riot. (laughs)
1: I think we all are to a certain extent. (laughs) Yes,
0: and it's always nice. It's always nice to have another person talking about science fiction and fantasy with me. (laughs) Okay, so before we get into our news for the day, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is us. Um, So this episode is brought to you by Book Riot's Own Recommended, a podcast where we talk to interesting people about the books they love. Each 20-minute episode features two interviews with guests from the book world, each discussing an all-time favorite book. Whether it's a best-selling author, an editor from behind the scenes, or an industry insider, they've all got a book to recommend. Season one is available in full right now, um, so you can listen to it right away, and season two is airing right this minute. So past guests include National Book Foundation Executive Director Lisa Lucas, Salam Reads editor Zareen Joffrey... And authors including Attica Locke, Leigh Bardugo, Jessamyn Ward, Alexander Chi, James McBride, Joe Hill, Tessa Dare, and many, many more. As one listener said, hearing the authors give such passionate book recommendations makes me want to read them all. The only competition is the recommended books. Find out what books have shaped the lives and careers of some of your favorite authors. You can subscribe to Recommended on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And I personally love it. I finally got to do – I got to produce a recommended um, episode that just recently came out uh, with Victor Laval and oh. V e. Schwab. It mm-hmm. was so epic. I was, like, <laughs> trying to keep my cool. And, and probably
1: failed spectacularly. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say.
0: I have never been able to keep my cool. Like, I – this is why I can't be a professional – Interviewers, so podcasts no. like this are probably better for me,
1: <laughs> right? And especially when you're talking about books, it just becomes everybody a squeen and being excited. Yes. And it's just it's so hard <laughs> to contain yourself.
0: <laughs> but they were both very, they were both very nice, and so that I was, I was very glad I chose them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's start talking about some news, and I think I'm going to start out with something. Um, uh, we were just talking, Nikki and I were talking about like TV shows we do and do not watch and how some of us are not as up to date. And I am yes. definitely not that up to date on things. But one thing I actually did binge watch that science fiction and fantasy related was Stranger Things, um, mm-hmm. I, I was very proud of myself because for once I was like on the same timeline as everybody else in the pop culture world (laughs) and now i get to talk about this great news we got it's actually twofold news so first we heard that stranger things books are coming from penguin random house and then later on and i was very confused when this news came out because i was like didn't we already talk about this but we hadn't so netflix (laughs) is also teaming with dark horse to bring stranger things to comics so we're getting a bunch of stranger things um published works coming out pretty soon. So the books are going to be out in November with more coming in 2019. And so the first book, these aren't like, you know, novelizations necessarily. The first book is going to be called Stranger Things World Turned Upside Down, the official behind the scenes companion. So this is a companion read. It's very much a gift book. um, And it's meant for young readers and it's going to have advice, wisdom, and warnings from the Stranger Things world. Is, I know. I'm like, I wonder what kind of advice they're like. First of all, can you remind me how to ride a bike? Because that seems to be a thing. Which is very could, relevant, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, how not to get into terrible adventures with weird monsters from parallel universes. That might be a thing. A good Just thing. the
1: things that 13-year-olds need to know, exactly. pretty much. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Uh, <laughs> and actually,
0: yeah. I was wrong because there is a novelization. There's a prequel novel about Eleven's mother written oh, by fun. Gwenda Bond.
1: Yeah, and when we were talking, I admitted that I have never watched Stranger Things, and I've had multiple people hound me about it. Um, <laughs> and I sticked fast to the point that it looked a little scary, and I'm so not into scary things. But, um, oh, really? <laughs> I... At least from what I know about the shows, this is like such a great idea, um, doing books and comics and just, it should be a really great gateway for younger readers, which would be awesome.
0: I think so too. And I'm curious because the comics are definitely geared toward younger readers as well. And in my, when Mm -hmm. I read this, I was thinking like, I wonder how many kids like, I never had an experience in my childhood where my parents were like, no, this is, like, not appropriate for you to watch. But (laughs) I was wondering, like, I wonder how many kids are allowed to watch Stranger Things because they're definitely – it is definitely scary and there are definitely some adult themes in there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious about, like, whether younger readers will –
1: Oh, I I I don't. Yeah, I feel like when I was in that tw- like that tween stage is when I started actually re- like watching the scarier things and getting more into shows that I probably shouldn't be. Like it's that age where you're trying to test boundaries. Yeah. So maybe there are like quite a bit of younger adults out there re- watching these shows, but I think you might be right that it's mostly adults. But who knows?
0: I think that I think you're right. Um, because I remember like it, which you know. It's, oh my gosh! It. Yes kids who are in a group and they're dealing with some horrible things. And I feel like every kid – kid's
1: show.
0: <laughs> it's not – and every kid in elementary school and I can't even remember when it came out, elementary school or middle school, we were all talking about it. Everybody had watched it. It was not meant for <laughs> us, but we all watched it. So I don't know why I'm trying to act like, you know, children <laughs> are so innocent and protected, but
1: – Right. Well, and, and I <laughs> – when I was like five, my babysitter had us watch it and it was like <laughs> this. And that's probably why I don't like horror nowadays, because I could not like look at a clothesline for years after that. And, you know, even when it rained, I would get freaked out. So maybe that's where my aversion to horror started. I oh mean, no. I can appreciate and respect it. But um, yes, it was Definitely a monumental experience for me And I never want to relive it
0: <laughs> That is so sad I, uh, I'm so sorry Because I love horror but I know A lot of people who just are not I have a friend who can't even watch E.T. Because she like... <laughs> terrified because <laughs> of that finger <laughs> yeah. i mean his face is pretty creepy but um so yeah so the first four issue series of the comics start in september of this year so look
1: out for those do you want to choose the next story sure um so we have a lot of good stories i feel like this week mm-hmm. um Oh, I'm trying to decide between two the two top ones. Um, I think I'm going to talk about the Star Trek news because yes. I think that is very exciting. Um, so just on the 19th of June, so a little bit ago, we got some news that finally, finally, so they've done a ton of Star Trek adaptations in the last couple of years and movies, and it's all been really great. But it's all been kind of geared towards you know the original series and remakes of that. So we finally got news that. Um, um Alex Kurtzman is take to show run um, or I'm sorry about that he is going to start making adaptations of the next generation which I think is great and I think was one that really needed to be remade right now because it's such a fun smart show um, mm-hmm. that I don't think you get in the other adaptations as much perhaps. Um, And so lots of really vague news. It's all just kind of in the idea time, which I'm sure is really exciting for people, too, because you get to kind of speculate. Um, So they think that there might be a series set at Starfleet Academy um, is one of the kind of ideas they're tossing around. Um, there's also rumors, of course, that they're trying to get Patrick Stewart on board to come Mm -hmm. back as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, which if you've ever watched like Next Generation at all, I feel like you just need to, like, you're just getting vapors just thinking about that. I know, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like he probably is just gonna, like, do a cameo, because, you know, he's getting a bit older, but it would be very, very exciting to see him in that role again. And then, um, also kind of playing around with an animated series, so, again, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty far out, but I think it's really great to see that they're starting to pull this one back in and it would be really exciting to see where they go with it. And like I said, I'm all here for um, a reunion cast type of show with Patrick Stewart <laughs> doing literally anything. So
0: I am <laughs> too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Jen is usually the one who talks about the Star Trek stuff because this is where <laughs> I am a, I have a complete failing. I did watch <laughs> The Next Generation, though, when I was a kid, but I have such fleeting memories of it because it was like my best friend at the time really loved that show. And mm-hmm. I would just kind of sit there and be half-present. But I remember yeah. that there were episodes and the movies and stuff, like I was all there for it. And so... I don't really have like a horse in the running here, but there is a part, a greedy part of me that wants an animated series just because, like, (laughs) I would definitely be down for an animated series of The Next Generation. I'm like the child. I need it fed to me in like cartoon form.
1: (laughs) It would be so great. Yeah. (laughs) And Patrick
0: Stewart wouldn't even have to be that he could just do the like voice and so easy. I'm so excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I can catch up on all of the things I missed out with Star Trek when I was a kid if they, you know, do this in a way that will be entertaining to me personally because I am selfish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think they also, like I said, they have the idea of a Starfleet Academy kind of one. And that would be very fun because I don't know if it would be more of an adult themed one where it's, you know, like teachers and stuff there or it would be like a younger geared audience. Where it's like the actual yeah. students in Starfleet Academy, and that could be very cool as well.
0: I think so too. I'm really looking forward to something that's set in a school type situation. Um, yeah,
1: like a sci-fi school, I yes think, like we have enough of those. <laughs> yeah,
0: like if uh, hilariously enough, like we had you know the animated X-Men series. And yes. that kind of filled that role for me when I was a kid. And that I actually obsessively watched. Like I feel like there was uh there was a group of kids definitely who would come home from school and immediately watch that like every single day. <laughs> and so that was immediately what I thought about when I saw the animated series possibility. Yeah. Um,
1: Possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I don't want everybody to think that's actually happening. Those are just my goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let me – what do I want to talk about next? Uh, let's talk about – okay, this one's kind of short. So it's just uh, – it's so ridiculous. So I don't know if anybody – um, who's listening? Has heard about Cockygate, which was definitely a <laughs> much big, more romance world. <laughs> yes, a big conversation in the romance world. People were very angry about it for good reason because or there Vegas. was, yeah, there was a there was a self published writer. Um, her name was Felina Hopkins, I believe.
1: Felina and,
0: Hopkins, yeah, yeah, and she tried to copyright the word and this is like there's so much legal stuff i am not like it's funny i worked in law firms for most of my life um but i have no concept so she (laughs) registered for and received a trademark on the word cocky (laughs) and she was basically bullying like online bullying people to stop using the word cocky in the titles of their romances which is
1: Uh, absurd it's there's no absolutely no like reason that that should have been upheld whatsoever
0: (laughs) no so it was like this huge thing and it was all over twitter and I like I I'm not that much of a a big romance reader but I was like completely absorbed like I couldn't (laughs) turn away from this mess uh, but it was actually really – it was a really hard on a lot of romance writers, and it became a huge problem. So Well, and
1: I think it's still in court because, like, you know, yeah. at this point, the people who are defending their books that have the word cocky in the title now have to, you know, get their own legal counsel and are actually having to fight this. And, of course, that takes a long time. So it's – I think also um, – it was Cockygate, but she also trademarked, from what I remember, like, the first name of k- the characters in her books. Oh, wow. So her wow. books were, like, Karen and Robert or something, and she's like, nobody can use these for their romance books going forward. Like, my brain is exploding.
0: <laughs> How does somebody wear... I... Okay, so the science fiction and fantasy connection here is that now we're fair. seeing... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could go on. I could go on about just the romance part forever, but... Now we've got a couple of other issues coming up within the science fiction and fantasy community. So first, this was like way back in mid-June that I first saw this article and we just got (laughs) another one. So there's one person who's trying to trademark Dragon Slayer for fantasy novels. Like, how are you, you are not the first person who used Dragon Slayer. Like, right. I was around in the 80s, so I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it
0: says here in the article, Amazon lists 652 books whose titles include the phrase Dragon Slayer. Yeah. So, and then we also got this other person trying to, trying to um, trademark, quantum series and now because of the quantum series thing so the first when i heard about um the dragon slayer thing it was just somebody who had found that out and was talking about it but i didn't see any action happening around it but with this quantum series um the science fiction writers association actually stepped in And they posted a tweet recently, um, July 11th, that it says with the approval of Douglas Phillips, SFWA has engaged um, Eleanor Lackman from the law firm, blah, 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 to file an (laughs) opposition to prevent (laughs) registration of this trademark for quantum series. Because obviously, (laughs) the science fiction community has some, they have some interest in the phrase quantum series. so." This feels very much like – this feels more like the cocky gate thing because I believe the romance – was it the Romance Writers Association? Yeah.
1: I think they stepped in and kind of started organizing people, yeah, to stand up against it. I I mean as they should kind of as the larger professional organization because putting it on Mm -hmm. individual authors is not – obviously sustainable or something that's going to work long term.
0: Yeah, because a lot, I'm sure a lot of these writers, whether in the, uh, you know, romance writing, or whether they're doing science fiction and fantasy writing, like, it's really hard to pull together the money to have, like, legal counsel and to make the time for it as well. And so, you know, these writing associations, ideally, are there to kind of protect the people in the community. Um, Right. So it does, it absolutely makes sense. I just like, I think that most of these stories for me are just like complete bafflement that this is a thing. And now I'm just like, are people starting to do this to get some sort of like in in a sort of any marketing or any publicity yeah, is publicity. good pu- publicity? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is a really worrisome idea that I hope is not actually spreading. But now we're seeing these pop up, more regularly. I like I've never come across anything like this before. So
1: yeah, these are kind of the first ones that have bubbled up. And it makes sense that, you know, after Felina tried this, a couple other people would try thinking it might work. Um, I think if we see it squashed pretty quickly by you, like you said, RWA and by um, the Science Fiction Association, hopefully that means it will stop people from doing it as much in the future. Um, But we'll see. Obviously, they're always really dumb authors aren't there. And there are really dumb lawyers who are willing to represent them. So
0: I know. I just hope that the backlash is so bad that, yes. you know, they're just going to be like, you know what, let's not, it's not worth <laughs> it. People this. are going to hate us forever. So <laughs> forget well, it.
1: And the Dragon Slayer one was so funny to me because I was trying a couple months ago, or whenever Cocky Gay came out, mm-hmm. I was trying to explain to somebody like, like you know, the word cocky in like a romance novel is pretty, you know, it's pretty usual. And I was like, it was like, it would be like if a fantasy author tried to trademark the name dragon. And then a dragon slayer came out. And I was like, Oh, man.
0: (laughs) 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 It's it's that's how unbelievable it is. It's like something you would make up. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know. I I'm gonna be watching this to see what happens. But I have a feeling it's just going to be like the cocky gate situation where it's very muddled legal situations and Mm -hmm. like results. And, you know, the, the courts are going to make decisions in piecemeal and we're going to be finding out what happens and hopefully we'll have like an actual wrap up on what the conclusion to all of these (laughs) sagas are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know if you, and I, I, If you go onto the cocky gate on book, right. We put up, um, an overview, but they actually mm-hmm. have the transcript they found from the initial like case where the judge is reviewing yes. Coffee Gate and asking <laughs> questions and like, examining the different people involved. And if you can spare five minutes, it is hilarious to uh, read it.
0: I 100% agree. I, I was editing that post. And <laughs> I was just like, this is this is something out of either a book or a movie. This is, It's so preposterous. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. We'll find out what happens with that whole saga and probably report back.
1: Um, But why don't you choose our last story to talk about? All right, so I'm going to... I feel like this one should be short as well because it's just, like, one word and, like, it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, So Handmaid's Tale is very popular, obviously. I think they just started season two. Um, And... On the, you know, waves of that success, some people have tried to create kind of branded or uh, products that are tied into the show. And so we got two examples that were um, pretty awful. So the first person (laughs) tried to do a Handmaid's Tale wine that they did. And it is, let me pull it up. That was like Lot 8. This is the wine, the
0: Lot 18 wine, right?
1: Yes. So they have three different wines. The first one is inspired by Offred. Um, and it is... What is she again? She's a Pinot Noir. And then with lush fruity flavors of cherry and cassis. And then you also have Off Glen, who is a Daring Cabernet Sauvignon. And then you also get a white wine, which is... um based on Serena Joy in the show. Um, So obviously it's this very um, terrible idea in that they're trying to create wine labels that match these characters who are essentially sex slaves in this very feminist, dystopian, horrible show. Mm -hmm. So one of them that I particularly loved was um, from the Offred one, obviously. And they go, we honor Offred with a wine that will stay with you long after you've finished your glass And a powerful experience you will never forget. And I'm just Uh, so cringy. (laughs) And I just want to know, like, I want to sit behind the writer who got this assignment and had to figure out how to actually sell a wine that was based off this show.
0: Seriously? And the person who said, yes, this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Like, how?
1: How?
0: (laughs) I do not understand. And then they ended up having to cancel
1: it because obviously right. people were very angry, <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then they have um after further consideration, they've decided to cancel the line of lines, and the further consideration was tons of people uh complaining about it on Twitter as they justifiably should have
0: seriously, so. yeah, I saw one of the posts, and I was like, yep, that <laughs> like this is the time to be really sharp and snide about this because it's so inappropriate it's so (laughs) gross like haven't they watched the show like I could barely watch the show because it's so rough like how do you Mm -hmm. decide let's make something whimsical oh my goodness And then we well, got another thing,
1: <laughs> and so I like almost feel bad bringing this up because it's so terrible. And I don't, I think this one is still in development. I don't see any update that they stopped it. So another company, a sleepwear company, has announced that the red version of its popular lingerie line is given the name Offred. So not only did we have a wine that they were trying to sell, but now we have a lingerie line based on the Handmaid's yeah. Tale. <laughs> And I would like to point out, it's very like sad looking lingerie. Like the model almost looks like she's very like washed out. Yes. Um, So it's not even good lingerie, which is a secondary thing to the fact that they tried to name a lingerie line after a sex slave, as again. So, that idea. (laughs) marketers let's run these ideas past a couple more people before releasing them
0: hey let's just think about it a little maybe read the book or read anything about the story at
1: all and realize watch the season <laughs> promo it's two minutes long just like yes some-
0: <laughs> the 30 second teaser trailer will tell you it's a bad idea
1: and i love so the spokesperson from it's the bl- brand is called Lanya. Mm-hmm. Um, a spokesperson said, "We're big fans of the show here at Lanya and named the color after Elizabeth Smoth's journey as Offred. We're with the resistance, oh. um, and so like even marketing the resistance as this marketing term that you can put on laundry is icky and squicky as well, obviously."
0: It's incredible. It's truly incredible. Like, I feel it's like crazy. <laughs> the theme of today, the last couple news stories is like tone deaf or something.
1: <laughs> right, right. We started Oblivious. with...
0: Oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. So, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> hopefully that <laughs> never happens. Maybe it's not on their website still because they realized that they were making a terrible decision. Um, but yeah, anybody out there who knows anybody who might have be in a position of power to make some decision <laughs> like this, just say, go out there and say, you know what? maybe not.
1: <laughs> maybe this is a bad idea.
0: <laughs> okay, um, so before we get into our picks for science fiction and fantasy audiobooks, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, which is again us. Um, and this is super exciting. I've actually been talking about this one a lot. It's our young adult giveaway. So we're giving away $500 of the year's best young adult fiction and nonfiction. And these books are all selected uh, by Kelly Jensen, our very own. Uh, She's a former young adult librarian and a current uh, Book Riot young adult expert. I'm sure if you've seen our site and all of our posts You've seen Kelly's out there. She's always talking about young adult fiction and nonfiction. And she does the Hey YA uh, podcast as well. So she's very well versed. And you can tell by these prize titles. So this is $500 (laughs) worth. This is a long list. So you should definitely go and check out the full list. But for instance, some of the prize titles include Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, which I've been seeing everywhere. Uh, There's The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. There's My So-Called Bollywood Life by Nisha Sharma. And one of my favorites that I've read this year, Undead Girl Gang, super fun by Lily Anderson. So there are a lot of great books, a lot of science fiction, fantasy stuff like The Cruel Prince is on here. Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, another one of my favorites. So you should definitely check out the list, and you can enter to win. It ends July 31st, so just make sure you enter before then. And you can check it out at bookriot.com slash 500YA giveaway to enter. Um, so that's it. That I hope that you enter, and if you do win, if anybody uh, who's listening wins, please take a photo of your books as usual because I want to see them. Um, it's pretty. It has to be a sizable
1: stack of books.
0: So. <laughs> All right. So let's get to our recommendations.
1: You want to go first, Nikki? Yes. Yeah, so if you want to jump straight in, um, ooh. So I'm going to. So I was going to. So when we talk about science fiction and fantasy audiobooks. You know, there's a couple really big classics. So I was going to, like the ones that everybody has listened to. Um, So I was going to use those to kind of spin off and recommend titles close to those that are great read or listen-alikes, I guess. Um, So one of the biggest ones is obviously like Ready Player One, which is this like fast, manic 80s book. Mm -hmm. Um, And in kind of the best way possible, this book is similar to that, but much more well-rounded characters. I find the world is even a little bit more interesting. And that is Warcross by Marie Lu. Um, The audiobook is narrated by Nancy Wu. And so, again, it's about this 18-year-old girl. She's a down-and-out bounty hunter in this kind of close future world. Um, So it's similar to Ready Player One. It's kind of gutted. Everybody's kind of down and out. There's less money. But, again, there's this great, like, alternate virtual reality interface that pretty much everybody in the world uses to play this one game called Warcross. Um about 90% of the people play, has two million viewers for the championships. And Anika Chen, who is the main character, you know, loves plays this game as she's, you know, bounty hunting and hacking and the, you know, trying to make it by. Um, and so this game is invented by this really young inventor. He invented it, I think, when he was like 12 or 13 years old, um, called Hineo Tadaka. And Anika's been watching him kind of her whole life. She's about the same age as him and kind of watching how how he grew and new developments in the game. And so there's a lot of things that happen. I, try, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But somehow through plot things and stuff, she ends up as a spy for him. Um, to uncover this massive security breach that's taking place in the game that could be do very bad things in general. Um, so it's a really great, great audiobook. Um, Anika Chen is this main character who's she's immediately personable. She's interesting. Um, she's like taking down criminals from the very beginning um, and doing all this cool hacking stuff. And you know, on top of that. You know, it's a very plot-driven book, but there's this great world building throughout. So not only is it this virtual reality game, but it's also an alternate reality kind of lens. So they just release like, these contact lenses that actually... Um, add like a gamified layer on the world. So she like travels to Tokyo and everybody has like these gamified components around them. If you go to certain bars, you get like 15 points. Or if you uh, go to the headquarters of the game, World Cross, you get different points. And then everybody has like their leaderboard and their, you know, stats above them as they're walking around. And so it's, you know, this huge, beautiful world and it's getting into the underworld that's underneath the game as well. And it's just... It's so well done. The audio was really great. Uh, the Nancy Wu, who narrates it, did this fantastic job, you know, keeping it really fast and um, engaging the whole time. So I highly recommend it. Again, it's War Cross by Marie Lu, and it's narrated by Nancy Wu. And again, it's a great—if you loved Ready Player One and want a book that's even more kind of great in the world building and more in-depth into the actual characters, this is one I highly recommend. That is so funny. I
0: was just talking about this book. And mm-hmm. I actually just finished it a few weeks ago, even though it's been <laughs> out for a little while.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I
0: I, feel exactly the same way about it as you did. But it's interesting, because I usually read science fiction on audiobook. And this one for once, I actually read the physical copy. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that the audiobook is also good. Um, yeah. Maybe if one day I decide to do more. Rereads. I will pick that
1: one up. Well, and I think the next one in the series is out in August, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... I'm going to do that one on audiobook. There you thing. go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very timely. Yes. Okay, Um. so my science fiction pick, speaking of dystopias, is Lailene Paul's dystopian novel, The Bees, which is narrated by Orla Cassidy. And... The Bees is maybe one of the strangest dystopian books I've ever read. And it's simply because you are literally following bees on their struggles. Like I thought, yeah, when I heard The Bees, like, I feel like a lot of people go into this book not knowing much about it. But I thought like, oh, maybe it's like an allegory. Or maybe it's like, it's just a metaphor. Or maybe there are bees in the st- I don't know. I did not realize it was actually following bees. So the characters are all bees in a hive. And the book is compared to A Handmaid's Tale, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. And there's certainly some of that feel in there. But it's also like, I'd say like Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Um And it's also compared to The Hunger Games, I am still (laughs) struggling to figure out where the similarities between this book and that one exist, but there you go, like, what can you say about publishing synopses? But, so, Bees. The main character is Flores 717, who lives in this world where everything's regimented, everyone's roles are assigned. So she's expected to live up to her role and to not deviate from it. And classism is very much a theme here, which you'll, it's quite obvious right from the beginning. Um, but it happens that Flora was born into the lowest class of her society. She's a sanitation bee. And you can tell by the way she's treated and ignored and underestimated and dismissed all of the above that nobody thinks much of her. And what's worse for her as a member of this society is that she was born with a mutation. And because this is the animal kingdom, you know, anything that looks like a weakness isn't divided. And, um, you know, she isn't expected to survive or to do well or be fit to do anything. Um, and mutations are typically grounds for destruction, but Flora gets this rare lucky break in her life because nothing else about her life is lucky. (laughs) Um, She's not killed. She's sent to work in the nursery where the babies are fed. But she remains different, and her differences don't amount to weaknesses as assumed. I mean, from the outside, everybody still thinks she's weak, but she's got some things going on. And when she stumbles into sort of confidential information, I guess, and access to places she shouldn't be, she discovers a lot of surprising and disturbing things about the hive and its hierarchies. And I came out of this reading experience with a gladness in my heart that I am not a bee. (laughs) Because this is like, it gets really brutal. And I do not look at bees as bumbling cute things anymore, but as (laughs) judgmental tools of oppression. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Bees are very important and they make honey, so they're okay in my book, but... I really never would have guessed I'd be so horrified by their world. And I know this is fiction in case you're wondering, but it's totally inspired by hive life and, you know, the hive mind, whatever. Uh, But as for the narration, I really enjoyed it. And I chose this book because it occurred to me that I've listened to the audiobook version of pretty much every dystopian book I've read since getting on the audiobook train a few years ago. And these was my most recent dystopian audiobook. I have not listened to a lot of dystopian fiction lately for um, perhaps obvious reasons, mm-hmm. like I didn't get enough of it. And I don't know <laughs> what it is about dystopian fiction specifically that makes me immediately look for the audiobook version, but I have a feeling it's some sort of comfort thing because I have a hard time reading dystopian novels in general, and there's something about having someone read it to me that I guess allows a bit of distance like somebody else is telling the story not me or my own voice in my own head and I don't need as many breaks when I listen to the audiobooks but when I have the physical copies I tend to put them down for a break quite often Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think this is a problem I had especially in high school when you're reading like for whatever dystopian. yes (laughs) Yes. which is something that to this day irritates me like give us a break (laughs) But that was the thing, like, I would have a really hard time finishing them because I'd put them down and then it was rare that I'd pick them up again. Um, and Orla Cassidy, who narrates the book, is an actress and she also narrates Dune in case you're looking for other oh. science fiction. Yeah, <laughs> I just learned that yesterday. Um And she also narrates like a bajillion David Baldacci novels, which is I don't know if you like David Baldacci novels and her voice. Maybe that's something you want to do. Um, But yeah, so if you're looking for dystopian fiction that has echoes of the classics, but in a very different setting, or if you're just, I don't know, fascinated by bees, you should definitely check out The Bees by Laylene Paul. (laughs)
1: And you like sold me on bees. But now that I'm thinking about these terrible, terrible (laughs) bees, I'm like, I don't know if I want to read this and ruin it for me. (laughs) I know. Maybe,
0: maybe you should like go visit a, I don't know, a bee farm afterwards and be told how important and how wonderful they are after you (laughs) read the book. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I can't imagine. She must have done so much fun research for that book.
0: Oh, for sure. That Mm -hmm. must be super interesting. (laughs) Okay. To so, to your yeah.
1: So I'm gonna go to. I like that we both picked our science fiction first. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my fiction is also not the most uh, happy. Let's say. <laughs> um, so, I am recommending the Devourers by Indra Das, and it's narrated by Shashir Karu and Murray uh, Simmon. And part of the so kind of as the background to this book. Uh, It came out in 2016, I think, I believe. And it's this very atmospheric, you know, kind of almost gothic in its approach book. Um, It starts with this history professor who's in Calcutta. Um, He runs into this man who claims to be a half werewolf. And it's this very strange kind of surreal encounter they have. And they meet a couple more times. And the professor, um, his name... I did not write down. Um, so, and he's he's kind of narrates the book, so you don't get his name up that often. So he eventually um convinces this man to kind of share his life story with him. Like, if you're claiming to be a half werewolf, tell me a little bit more. And so this, <laughs> like, he's this very swaggery, kind of good looking dude. He shows up with this journal and it's this you know, all handwritten story. And it's a story that claims to be written in 17th century Mughal India uh, around the time of the Taj Mahal construction. And it's telling the story of this werewolf who's descended from Norse people. He's lived, you know, for centuries before this. He journeyed across the whole continent from, you know, uh, Western Europe all the way to India with this smaller pack of other werewolves. And... Once he gets there, he kind of becomes enraptured, I would guess, um, fascinated with this human uh, woman there. And it kind of follows from there. It's a very, like I said, it's a very gothic, atmospheric tale. Mm -hmm. It's very, there's multiple layers. So you have um, Alok, he's the main character. He's kind of telling you the story. He's adding footnotes to the story as he reads it. Um, And then the stranger gives it to him. But then the stranger admits that he rewrote it from this book that he found, um, that happens to be written directly on human skin, which is really disgusting. And if, <laughs> if that's way too much for you, you shouldn't get into this book. And, but then that's also rewritten from another account. And so it's, they got these really multiple layers of like, um, narrators who are very unreliable. You kind of don't know what's true and what's not but as you kind of read through the book you start learning more about this tale uh eventually it switches to another point of view the woman who was you know the kind of love interest or not exactly love interest but hunger interest of this werewolf and tells the kind of story and so it all it's one of these kind of almost like frankenstein where there's like these multiple letters and layers before you get to actually what happened the same kind of thing happens in this story Um, I really picked it because it's – some of the other – like you were saying, some of the things I love about audiobooks is how you can really get into the story. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways they do this is when they have multiple narrators for an audiobook. Um, So one of the biggest – I feel like one of the biggest fantasy audiobooks that like everybody listens to is American Gods by Neil Gaiman, and it's this full cast audiobook. I think it has like fifteen to twenty different cast members that are narrating it.
0: Wow! So
1: it's really fun to read, and this does the same thing where the woman's point of view has uh, a different narrator. Uh, the Shashir Karu is this fantastic narrator who pivots between the kind of half werewolf guy and the main character and he does it in such a great way like the way his tone and his inflection changes you can absolutely hear immediately when he shifts because he is he is like giving footnotes throughout the story in the other narrator's voice and so he does it masterfully um so this one is not like the fast-paced read that you can like work out to or something it's Mm-hmm. super gothic, it's immersive, it's atmospheric. Um, it's a very kind of disgusting story in a lot of ways, too. I feel like a lot of times when we talk about werewolves, we're talking about these more primal instincts that we have. So if you read The Last Werewolf by Glenn Duncan, it will be similar to that. Like, there's a lot of, you know, kind of just beastly stuff in terms of, you know, you're eating other people and you're eat- there's blood and there's gore. Um, and it's set against this really fascinating you know, backdrop and these really fascinating characters. And so it becomes kind of a mystery to figure out what happened. Um, So again, if you loved like The Last Werewolf, if you loved like the actual good Anne Rice novels, like when she was really good back then, (laughs) if you like that kind of, you know, that's like a book that almost feels steamy and like a really kind of gross, but great and fascinating way, um, highly recommend again, it's the devourers by Indra Das, um, narrated by Shashir Karu and Marie Simon. And again, it's, it's just fantastic.
0: I have to pick that up again. I ran out of time on my library. Um, Aww. I borrowed the, and I was listening to the audiobook too. And I ran out of time because it runs a little on the longer side, but I was yeah. so into it.
1: I think it's like 13 hours. It is. It's, <laughs> it's quite a bit
0: longer. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was, it was really good. I agree. Um, okay. So for my fantasy pick, and I'm kind of shocked that I haven't already talked about this one on the show. Right,
1: it came up and I was like, huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I literally did a search for it in our law, in the long doc that has all of our notes. And I was like, I can't believe myself. So I <laughs> chose Shadow Shaper, which is a young adult urban fantasy by Daniel Jose Older. And the audiobook is narrated by Annika Noni Rose, and it saved me. This book saved me during a long, solitary road trip. Um, And this is actually the second time I've talked about an audiobook saving me on a long solitary road trip, because I realized while I was thinking about audiobooks I've read that I take a lot of these types of road trips. (laughs) Um, So I can say with confidence that the narration of this book was good enough to get me from Los Angeles to Prescott, Arizona without switching to something else, (laughs) which of course also speaks to the story itself, which Older wrote excellently. He's such a great writer and great human being. Um so Shadow Shaper introduces us to Sierra Santiago and her friends who all live in Brooklyn's Bed-Stuy neighborhood. I had to look up how to say that because I know I say it wrong sometimes. <laughs> I think it's Bed-Stuy. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a New Yorker. Sierra um has the life of a typical teen, you know, she loves her her tight-knit community and she's about to begin what she assumes will be a summer filled with art, parties, and hanging out. She definitely has more exciting teen life than I ever did. Um, She has this mural project as well she's been asked to help with, and she's free from her schoolwork. But then something happens that disrupts her community and her plans. There's this evil that lays siege to her neighborhood community. The undead basically show up, and a supernatural order surfaces. And also, Sierra starts to see things she can't explain, like artwork moving like she's literally in a restaurant on a date and the artwork in the restaurant starts moving around and dancing along with them which is like i feel like i want (laughs) to see this like in cinematic in a movie yeah Yeah, (laughs) i mean if they did it right but it like so everything becomes very vivid and animated the artwork takes its own life and it seems to speak to her and then her grandmother who's taken to her bed keeps repeating the same thing over and over and Sierra's just encountering one anomaly after another, and it becomes increasingly clear that she might be the only one who can stop this terror-endangering uh, Bedside. And meanwhile, she's also dealing with first love, so she's met this graffiti artist named Robbie who she has immediate and undeniable Aww. chemistry with. It's so sweet. Um, <laughs> this whole book is just such a fun, endearing, and fast-paced read, and I just enjoyed reading about Sierra's friends as much as I enjoyed reading about her. It's kind of perfect right now as well because it has all the summer feels. Uh, So Annika Noni Rose really got all of the characters' voices and personalities as well. I never felt taken out of the moment, which can happen with narration sometimes. It's probably like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the biggest reason I return an audiobook is just because, like, the voices can take me out of the book and I just can't focus on it but none of that happened here and it's not a surprise she's a Tony award-winning actress (laughs) and singer so you got that going for you when you get into this audiobook (laughs) and she actually narrates both of the Shadow Shaper Cypher books that are currently out so if you enjoy her performance here and the story the first book around You can move right on to the next, but last I checked, the expected publication date for the third book just said 2019, so you might have to wait a while for that one. But if you like Daniel Jose Older's writing style, he also has an adult fantasy series called the Bone Street Rumba series, which I've heard really great things about and also fits that paranormal urban fantasy theme as well. Um, so, yeah, again, I've been talking about Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older, narrated by Annika Noni Rose. And I think that's it. We That's all we have. That's it for our time. <laughs> that went by so quickly. <laughs> I know.
1: We have was, so many book things to talk about. <laughs> we did.
0: And we didn't even get to them all. But it was so great mm-hmm. to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And, of course, as usual, you can email us at yeah, at bookriot.com. And please do, if you like the show, if you want to say something, if you have a comment, review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people to find um, the show. And you can find us online. I am at, usually on Instagram. I'm at S-Zainab Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Nikki, is there a place uh, our
1: listeners can find you online? Um, Yeah, let me I am not online that much Um, I'm on Book Riot a lot so you'll see all my posts there Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at Nikki Van Rye so N-I-K-K-I-V-A-N-R-Y and you can come say hi and I'll try to (laughs) say hi back (laughs) but lots of um, science fiction and fantasy and I also do a lot of poetry so if you want to gab at me about poetry I'm all there. (laughs) That sounds awesome
0: Thank you so much and Happy reading!